Podcast 8, Mary Magdalene. Hi, and welcome back to Accord Presents Who Are You, which is our study looking at the life and significance of characters from the Bible. Well, today we're on study number eight, and we're looking today at Mary Magdalene. Um, I think what I want to say before we get going is that this one is a bit of a shocker on many levels. (laughs) And I think the first thing is that I want to say right from the beginning is that when I put this study together, it was shocking to me, and I've mentioned this in other studies, haven't I? Yeah. But it was shocking to me how much of the stories of the Bible I have got wrong mm. because I have not reread them and read them properly. Yeah. And this really is the, the situation for Mary Magdalene as we get into her today, especially as we look at the crucifixion and what happened afterwards with her, that there was so much there that I'd really got very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. Bits I'd made up even. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, we're not supposed to make up the word of God. Is you know, there's there's laws against that. Yeah. Um, so it was really shocking how I had a really filled in gaps of assumption of mm. thinking that I knew about the correctness of the stories, and I had really got them very wrong. So we keep learning that lesson, don't we? In this yeah, study, I've definitely. mentioned it a few times that we do need to make sure that we go back to the word of God not rely on assumptions or over familiarities Mm. that we understand and know stories but we literally really go back and we know what the word of god says directly because this one was a shocker wasn't it yeah i know it it really was a shocker um so that's the first thing i want to say but the second thing i want to say about mary magdalene is that that she really is a mystery in the bible Mm. mary magdalene um And because of that, there has been a huge amount of speculation and even embellishment, really, about her. And she is considered quite Gnostic and mystical by many. And Gnosticism is um, uh, a part of of, uh, religion. Um, it's, It's a doctrinal sort of emphasis in religion. And it really brings together issues of faith that may be correct yeah but they mix it in with the sort of mystical new agey you know um away with the fairies sort of teaching mm. and they mix it together in a pot and it creates something that really is not of god mm. so gnosticism is um a doctrine is a sect if you like of christianity um that as that is still around today yeah um but it really is something that we need to avoid as we read the bible Mm. and just make sure we stick to the facts yes and so for us the facts are if it's in the word of god we take that as as the infallible word of god and everything else we take with a pinch of salt or a consideration or we read it as a historical or or fictitious Mm. um book Mm. yeah we don't take it as the word of god Uh, We do know that Mary Magdalene, um, historically, is heavily mentioned in the Apocrypha. So the Apocrypha is the extra books of the Bible that are included in Catholicism. Um, For us, they are not identified as uh, authentic, as Mm. as true doctrinal words of God, um, as sacred. So they're not included in the Christian idea of the Bible. Um, But they are in in the Christian, sorry, in the the Catholic faith. Um, So there are extra Bibles, uh, books in the Bible, in the Apocrypha, in the Catholic Bible. Um, And this, in the Apocrypha, there is a Gospel of Mary. And she was supposed to have written that. So we also see, for example, in Hollywood in, with the Da Vinci Code, um, the Dan Brown story, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it really runs with the legend in this movie that Mary Magdalene was married to Jesus and had secret children. Mm. And that's actually quite a common lie um, that's come through this Gnostic sort of, you know, idea um, and and culture where Jesus and Mary Magdalene were romantically involved. Well, of course, that's, you know, that really is is not in the Bible. Um, And it's also quite blasphemous Mm. for us to understand that or or to run with that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of speculation. She's, again, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, being taken way out of context by human man-made religion and really put into a place that that... 
she was not designed to be yeah. um so we really have to be careful about the bits and pieces that we hear from these mm. ideas and make sure that what we are founded in is the accuracy of the word of god yeah um so this whole idea that mary magdalene and jesus were married is the basis for several cults today and philosophies um, but to us, it is completely unbiblical and it is not accepted as correct in any form. Yeah. So we have to be careful. So there is a misconception about her, a mystery around her that certainly is true in the Bible because not a lot is said about her. And we'll get to mm. that in a minute. But also then um, man has gone, got carried away with the idea of Mary Magdalene yeah. and created very false things out of her mm. identity. Mm. And, you know, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So we don't want that. We don't want to be associated or connected with that because it really is not of God mm. in any form. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that Mary Magdalene is a mystery because she's been misunderstood in scripture, but also then in folklore, if you mm. want to call it that. Um, and also <laughs> she's been it's a, it's a matter of logistics and semantics in a lot of way because Mary Magdalene has been confused with lots of other Marys in the Bible, especially Mary, who was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Yeah. OK, mm -hmm. so sometimes we we've got them mixed up with mm -hmm. other Marys because Mary was obviously a very common name. Yeah. Um, and there were lots of Marys actually in the New Testament, lots, um, <laughs> which we'll look at um, later. Um we come across her, well, we speculate that it's mm. her that we're, that's been described in John 8, verse 1 to 12, because we speculate that Mary Magdalene was actually the woman who was caught in the act of, adult, of adultery and was saved from stoning by Jesus. She was then forgiven and redeemed. And we know that story where Jesus, you know, says, well, any one of you who's without sin may cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. We have made an assumption and we speculate that that actually was Mary Magdalene. And I think the reality is it doesn't really matter. No. Yeah, what yeah. matters is, is that she was completely, you know, forgiven and set free by Jesus. Mm -hmm. But that's the first sort of possibility, if you like, yeah. in the word of God, that that could have been her. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what we do know, okay? <laughs> yeah. So we've talked a lot about, you know, what we could know. Um, but let's talk about what we actually do know biblically. And I think the first thing we do know about her is that she is mentioned by name in all four of the Gospels. And she was the very first person that Jesus revealed himself to after the resurrection. Yeah. And that's a really marvellous story. Mm. And that really is where we will get to in, in mm. this study. We do know that Mary was troubled. We know that she had a dark past. Um, but yet again, here is a misidentification of Mary because she has been misidentified in scripture actually as a prostitute. And um, under the teachings of the Catholic Church over time, she was always portrayed as a prostitute and it was brought into their translations and understandings. But in modern times, that doctrine, that theology has been restored because as as scholars have looked into the original language and understanding of, of, of the word of God, what we can see is that she actually was not a prostitute. OK, and we'll see why in a minute. Yeah. But yet again, a misconception, mm -hmm. a little mystery yeah. that that we speculate about rather than have very clear thinking about. She's known as Mary Magdalene, uh, but Magdalene is not a surname. Um, it wasn't a family name. Magdalene is, simp it's sim is simply um, showing us that she was from the village of Magdala. Okay. Now, Magdala was a tiny fishing village, and it tells us that in Matthew 15, verse 39. And it was a tiny fishing village on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we know that it was two miles from the Roman city of Tiberias. And in Jesus's ministry, what we see from scripture is that a lot of his ministry included a number of exorcisms and confrontations with mm. demon possessed people in this area. And I think that's a really interesting point, because as we go deeper into the study, that might become very significant to us. Yeah. So it's interesting that she came from an, an area that was highly saturated with demonic activity mm. Um, with people oppressed through demonic life. Mm. Um, and 
that included her. Yeah. She came from that place. Yeah. Let's say again that Mary was not a prostitute, uh, um, as portrayed wrongly in doctrine. She was a demoniac and she was persecuted, we're told, by seven demons. Okay? So she wasn't promiscuous. She wasn't necessarily... Um, her behaviour wasn't necessarily wrong as we'd seen in Rahab yeah. a couple of studies ago mm. where Rahab really bought in she was savvy she bought into the to the sin of, of Jericho didn't she yeah. um, but we don't get that feel from Mary Magdalene mm. we don't know what the manifestation of her demon possession was mm. um, but we are told that nobody could help her so you can imagine, can't you, that the religious leaders had tried, yeah. uh, maybe her family, you know, maybe other believers. Yeah. Um, but the reality was that nobody could help her with this demon issue. And she was ultimately a victim. Yeah. She was a prisoner, both physically and mentally, from the demons that tormented her. But scripture doesn't tell us what she was afflicted by mm. we don't know what demons were within her yeah we don't know what the manifestation of of that possession you mm. know displayed mm -hmm. itself as but the translations call her a lunatic wow so we get a very clear picture don't we mm. of complete torture yeah. really yeah um of being tormented by these de demonic mm. by this demonic affliction and that's very different to somebody of a sound mind who is sinful. Yeah. As Rahab was. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a real, I hope, clear mm -hmm. picture from mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So just really understanding that there isn't a lot of information about Mary, but we do now need the clarity about who she actually was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's push on then, and let's look what we can learn from Mary, because this is where the this is where it gets good. <laughs> <laughs> we know that Mary was a demoniac. We know that, okay, and these were identified predominantly these people as insane. That's what the mm -hmm. translation tells us. We're told that in Matthew eight verse twenty eight to thirty four, and Mark five verse one to five. Now, at the times when um, of Jesus, when there were, was demon possession, a lot of the time it was associated with a physicality, with yeah. a physical mm. issue. Um, so obviously, when you start speaking about demonic activity or demonic um, possession, you obviously make that assumption, which is correct, that it is then torment of the mind. Yeah. So there would have been a lot of mental health, a lot of real, you know, torment mm -hmm. in the inner chambers of her own thinking but a lot of the time in the in the stories of jesus in the ministry of jesus um the demonic possession manifested in physicalities so for example it was usually where there were physical there was physical impairness through blindness mm -hmm. so we're told that in matthew 12 verse 22 um that they were afflicted with deafness in mark 9 verse 25 where there was muteness, where they couldn't speak mm. in Matthew um, Matthew 1, verse 32 to 33. And also where they had fits and seizures, which is in Mark 1, verse 26 and Luke 9, verse 38. So what we get now is a building up of a picture, don't we? Yeah. Um, of not only, you know, something internal, but it really becomes a very mm. physical presence of these demons within her. So... We don't know, we're not told in scripture about how she got those demons. Mm. We're not mm. told about how she met Jesus. Yeah. We're not told about what the manifestation of those demons were or what demons she had. Mm. But we are told in Luke 8 verse 2 and Mark 16 verse 9 that Mary was completely delivered and set free by Jesus from complete demonic bondage yeah. and i love that yeah, yeah? completely free yeah. bearing in mind that we'd already heard that nobody could have helped yeah. her yeah so we, there's a track record there yeah. of maybe a longevity of being tormented but nobody was able to help her until wow. jesus came wow. and i really really love that yeah. um 
I think it's important to say here that scripture makes a very clear definition between demonic affliction and illness mm. in Matthew 4 verse 24. But demoniacs were not afflicted because of sin or immorality. Let's say that. They were um, afflicted because they were tormented. Mm, yeah. They were seen as wretches, as restless, as alone and hopeless. Mm. So I think it's really, really important that we understand that there is no indication in Scripture that Mary Magdalene was afflicted by these seven demons because of anything that she had done. Mm. Yeah. It was not about her behavior. Yeah. We're never told that she evoked or brought that on herself mm. through her activities. And we need to understand that she simply was a victim. Mm. She was possessed and tormented. Yeah. So it had nothing to do with sin or, or her immoral mm. acts. We're, there's no indication yeah. of that in scripture at all and that's maybe where she's been misunderstood in scripture yeah. and, and and in church life in yeah. churchdom um is that really you know she's been mm. seen as somebody who was sinful mm. but there's no indication of that in the bible it's just that she had demon possession and she yeah. was a victim of that okay mm. i think it's really important to mention here and you'll see why as we get to the end of the story today is that demoniacs never actually came to Jesus to be delivered by themselves so you don't you see you you don't see in scripture people who were demon possessed taking themselves to Jesus to be yeah, delivered yeah. you saw that in people who were ill and yeah, sick yeah. that they would take themselves to Jesus to be healed yeah. but we don't get that same scenario from the demoniacs um, we do know that the, the, the usual way, the usual method was that demoniacs were brought to Jesus by others, sometimes against their will. Yeah. Yes. Or he called them to himself or he went to them. And we're told that in Matthew 8, verse 16, Mark 9, verse 20 and Luke 13, verse 12. So. I think the bottom line there is that evil spirits never voluntarily came to Jesus <laughs> and they never allowed they're afflicted to come close to him yeah. because they knew as soon as they touched Jesus they were gone yeah, yeah. so it wasn't a, a giving up of yourself they they kept out of the way mm. they were in the shadows yeah yeah um a baby that just add to the stigma mm -hmm. to the mysticism yes. to the mystery yeah. of people that that had demons mm -hmm. because they really you know were not in the light yeah. they were kept in the dark by mm -hmm. their afflictions um, we know that in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Mark, they both give details of her issues without actually telling us any details about what she was afflicted with. Mm -hmm. And I think they've done that to show simply the power of God at work in Jesus. Yeah. We How she was delivered is not recorded at mm -hmm. all. We don't know that. Um, but we do know that she was completely transformed and set free and then she became righteous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a huge, significant transformation. Yeah. Yet yeah. again, another character from the Bible that has significant, significant um, transformation mm -hmm. through interaction with Jesus. Yeah. And there seems to be a running theme, doesn't there, yeah, it does. of that. So here we go. That's her background. That's what happens to her. But then the story takes another level, another beginning, another scenario. So she's not only delivered and she goes off to live her life and we never hear about her again. She gets deliverance, but then she immediately joins Jesus's close circle of disciples and she travels with Jesus. OK, so she joins the band. Let's put it that <laughs> yeah. way. OK, she doesn't go off and live her own life. She then is part of the discipleship mm. of Jesus. Mm. Um. She's very close to Jesus. Mm -hmm. She's there constantly. And we do um, speculate from scripture that maybe her deliverance may have occurred quite late on in Jesus's ministry. Um, just simply because we're told that she was afflicted for a long time. Yeah. Um, and also chronolo chronologically where that story is placed in, in the relation and the timeline of Jesus. Um, that, you know, she might have been afflicted for quite a long time mm. with this issue. Mm. Yeah. So actually what Mary Magdalene was, was that she was a female disciple 
although she's not named as one of the 12. Yeah. And we do know that, we've talked about this in previous studies, mm. that there was the, the 12, but mm-hmm. the 12 was broken up into, into yeah. some sort of ranking. Um, and then there would have been other disciples that wouldn't have had the closeness. Yeah. And then you would have had multitudes and mm. crowds. Yeah. Okay, So we know that she actually was a disciple of Jesus. She went to all the things. She was with him constantly, but she was just not named um, mm. as one of the 12. Um, Mary led, we know this, Mary led the female followers of Jesus and they were all probably single women simply logistically because a woman who had family commitments wouldn't have been able to do the itinerary, the, the itinerant mm. life. Yeah. Um, so they were godly and wise women, we know that. Um, and they were so much more than just housekeepers. Yeah. They weren't there to, you know, rub the disciples' feet after a hard day of miracles. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't there just to cook and clean and and take care of them. They were active, working members of his team, yeah. of his ministry team. Yeah. Um, they were present constantly in mm. everything that he did. And this is very, very important. It's an overlooked fact, maybe. But it's actually really, really important because women were not allowed access in Judaism. Okay, Um, there was no place for them. Mm -hmm. So women weren't involved. Um, And this is really significant because it shows us the honoring of women by Jesus. And we see that in Luke 8 verse 3. So a lot of his disciples were women Mm -hmm. um, and they're named okay in scripture they just weren't part of the 12 Mm -hmm. okay but it doesn't mean that they were less and it doesn't mean that they they weren't present and they weren't active they were genuine workers of his ministry team yeah okay we're told in luke 8 verse 3 that the women provided for jesus from their substance so this suggests that they had resource they had money yes Um, There is actually no evidence biblically that Mary um, was a young woman. And like I said, we are told that she was afflicted for many years. So maybe that suggests Mm. that Mary actually was an older woman. Possibly even she could have been a childless widow. Yes, because she had means, she had money, she had resource. Because we're told that in Luke 8 verse 3. So the only way within that culture that she would have accessed that was to have got that you know as a widow mm-hmm. okay yeah so we don't know that that's just a, a consideration that we have okay what is interesting is that when women the women disciples are um listed she's always first on the list she's top of the list mm-hmm. always yeah. um so she was respected definitely and she remained his faithful disciple even when the others forsook him okay whenever jesus went she went to yeah and that's important mm. so we get a real sense don't we of a, a personal relationship yeah, yeah we get sense a sense of um a love for each other yeah and we get a sense of um of an understanding mm. of who he was and all of this came out of this poor wretched woman yeah. that was tormented by demons okay so let's move the story on now Let's move it now to the crucifixion and beyond, mm. because this is where we come really into a lot of understanding. This is what the most we know about mm. Mary Magdalene yeah. in the Word yeah. of God. And this is where we made the assumptions, wasn't it? Yes. This oh, is where we wow. got the story a little bit wrong. Yes. Yes. And we had to go back to the Word of God and make sure we got our facts straight. Um, so basically, Matthew, Mark and John all record Mary at the foot of the cross and we're told that she stood there with Mary the mother of Jesus Salome the mother of James and John and Mary the lesser who was the mother of James and Joseph so that's we're told that in John 19 verse 25 so there's a lot of Marys there yeah there is wow (laughs) and um they're all we're told at the beginning of the story where Jesus is being uh, in the process of Jesus being crucified that these women are standing mm. in close proximity to the cross yeah okay so we do know from scripture in John 19 verse 26 to 27 that they stood close enough to Jesus on the cross to hear the conversation that 
Jesus had with John regarding Mary, his mm-hmm. mother. And if you remember from that study, mm-hmm. Jesus on the cross said to John, you know, take yeah. care of my mother. Yeah. And John said, I will. Yeah. So these women were close enough to hear that conversation yeah. and they're mentioned as being very, very clear, uh, yeah. close to the cross. So when Jesus died later on in the story, in Matthew 27, verse 55, and Mark 15, verse 40, We're told that, well, Matthew and Mark tell us this in their Gospels, that the women watched from afar when Jesus died. So remember, earlier on, they are very close by the cross, and now they're further back. They're watching from afar. And this would have been custom um, during crucifixions, Roman crucifixions, because the more gruesome and horrific the crucifixion became, the more they would clear the the crowds, mm, especially yeah. the women. Yeah. And if you can imagine it, that crucifixions were extremely gruesome. Mm. Um, and Jesus's crucifixion was extremely unusual because Roman crucifixion was usually upside down, head first. Mm. And they did that not um, out of compassion because it, it's a quicker death, yeah. okay? but because of time restraints, because it can take a long time for somebody to die from crucifixion um, upright. And so they would turn them upside down and crucify them simply to get through the list of the day so that they didn't have to do overtime (laughs) at these crucifixions. Um, So they would have cleared the people, especially the women. We don't know if that would have was voluntarily Mm. or if it was made by the mm. by the soldiers but if you can imagine you've got mary the mother of jesus and she's watching her son being crucified yeah and you've also then got mary magdalene who loves him de- deeply yeah and they are at the foot literally you know able mm. to see smell touch look into his eyes be part of this horrific situation um that there would have been a time when they would have moved away mm but still be present. Yeah. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And I think that's really important um, because Roman crucifixion was horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very common in Roman crucifixion. There are many ways to die in crucifixion. Yeah. And the body responds in many different ways to to that form of torture and death. Mm. And it would be very common in crucifixion for the body literally to fall apart yeah so parts of the body would fall to the ground and leave limbs still on the cross yeah it would be very possible for the body to explode it would be very possible um for um blood to to be spilt yeah. in, in lots of ways and it was a very gruesome yeah. horrible form of death um but we do know that although their proximity changed yeah that they were there till the end. And we're told that in scripture in Matthew 15. So we know that these women remained at the crucifixion until the very Mm. end, okay? And it was actually Mary Magdalene who told the disciples where Jesus's body had been taken after Mm. his death because they didn't know. So we know John was present for a a Mm. moment, for a time at the crucifixion. But there's no recollection of any of the other disciples being at the crucifixion. Mm. But the women were. Yeah. And they stayed from the beginning to the end. And that gives us an indication about the relationship that these women had with him. Yeah. Yes. Very, very, very hard thing to mm. watch. I mean, in today's terms, they you would get PDST from that. Yeah. You would yeah. get trauma, yeah. you know, to be able to, to watch that. Um, but they remain there till the end. Okay, now this is where we maybe get some details wrong in the story. And this is what our big shock, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, definitely. So what happened? Okay, so we make the assumption that the women took Jesus's Jesus's body and went and prepared it for burial. That's actually not biblical. And what happened was that Joseph of Arimathea asked Pontius Pilate, Uh, for the body of Jesus so that he could go and bury him. Mm. We're told that in John 19. So what we maybe don't realise, and we need to read him further in scripture, is that Joseph of Arimathea was actually a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin. He was 
someone who was part of the very organization that had worked with Judas to betray, to betray Jesus. Wow. And that's so shocking, yeah, isn't it? It is. It's so shocking. But what we learn from Scripture, too, in John 19, is that Joseph of Arimathea was not only a, in the Sanhedrin, he was a secret convert of Jesus. And he was granted permission by Pilate because of that position. Mm. Yeah, because if you think about it, Pilate was like the Queen today. Well, we yeah. just don't knock the door and go and ask the Queen for the body, do <laughs> <No>. we? <laughs> we don't have no. that level of access. Yes. So he, because of his position yeah. as a Pharisee, yeah. as you know, sitting as a high priest within that system, he would have had political access. Yeah, and it was very common during crucifixions that the bodies were never given over to family members to, for burial. It was very common in, in, um, in Roman crucifixions that the bodies were actually never taken down from the crosses and they were left there to be eaten by birds or rot. And, and when the body or the bones fell to the ground, they simply were left. Yeah. So the fact that somebody requested mm. the body of Jesus and it was granted yeah. and you were then able to go and bury him was hugely mm. significant. Yeah. Um, it was different. It mm. was not the norm in, yeah. in by any way. So Joseph got the body. He had the permission to have the body of Jesus. But he didn't do it by himself because scripture then goes on to tell us in John 19 that he he moved the removed the body of Jesus from the cross with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was another Pharisee <laughs> another member of the Sanhedrin, and he was also another secret convert. So wait a minute, I've completely <laughs> missed this part of the story. Yeah, yeah. I knew about Joseph of Arimathea, but I thought he was said he was told no. So again, I'd made an assumption about yeah. a story that I thought I knew so well. Yeah. So what's interesting, let's, let's visualize this for a moment. It's daytime, mm. it's on a Friday, okay? The Sabbath starts later on in the in the day yeah. at sundown. Yeah. Um, so it's daylight. Jesus has died. It's a public crucifixion. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's people around. Yeah. How did two priests from the Sanhedrin, from the Sanhedrin, dressed in their garb, physically get up the body of Jesus down off the cross, and take it to a tomb? outside of the city okay because i would have thought that would have been a risk yeah because they were secret um converts yeah. so how would you you know be seen to be taking down the body of jesus yeah. and burying it you're going to reveal yourself aren't yeah, you surely it's just it's just so shocking but i've never considered how that no, was possible no, no. or how that was done no no, no. i know um yeah. We're told that they, the two priests took the body to an unused tomb um, and they had bought with their own money a lot of spices yeah. mm. um, and they took the body, the two Pharisees, they took his body to the unused tomb, the brand new tomb outside the city and they washed the body, they anointed him with the spices that they had bought themselves and they wrapped Jesus in the ribbons of the burial garments. We're told that in John 19 verse 14. Wow. Now that's where I really made up the story because yeah. I, I didn't know that. No. I didn't know that fully. No. I had just relied on an idea of a story. Yeah. And it again, we ha it, it teaches us we have to be reading yeah. the Bible. Yeah, we have yeah, to be definitely. reading the details, don't we? Yeah. Of that. Yeah. So we have this quite remarkable story don't we mm. remarkable story about who actually mm. takes responsibility yes. for the body of jesus yeah. and they carry out their priestly duties of preparing the body of jesus yeah okay so the bible tells us in john 19 verse 42 that they prepared his body quickly. Mm, so they yeah. took him down off the cross quickly, they got him to the tomb quickly, and they uh, prepared his body quickly. Mm. And they did that, and this kind of made me laugh, um, they did that because they were 
high priests. Yes. They were in the Sanhedrin. <laughs> so here we go. Jesus has died in the afternoon on the Friday afternoon. They've got to then go and get permission from Pilate. Yes. Yes, which might have taken a time. Yeah. They then had to come back, get his body down off a cross. Then they have to get that body across town and out of town. Mm. Yes, to a burial place. Yeah. And they then had to prepare his body and get back to the city for the evening service. Wow. Okay, because sundown on that Friday is the beginning of Sabbath. Yeah. And there it was showtime. They had yeah. to be back in the synagogue performing the, the rituals the of the Sabbath. Yeah. Yes. So how did they get his body to that place? Did they carry it? Did they take it on a horse? What did they do? We don't know. Yeah. But we get this idea that they quickly did the work of of the the rich the ritualistic work of the of the preparation for burial. Yeah. But they had to get back into town for for their for their duties. Yes. And we get this real feel, don't we, of conflict because they were secret converts. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they did that because they loved Jesus and wanted to respect him. Yeah. But yet then they had to fulfill the, the facade yeah. of yeah. their religious system yeah. that have been such a key player in his death. Yeah. I mean, such a conundrum, isn't it? Such a dilemma. Yeah. Such a conflict. So we do know that Mosaic law requires that bodies have to be buried before sundown on the day of death. We're told that in Deuteronomy 21, verse 22 to 23. So what they were doing was that they were making sure that they were fulfilling their priestly duties although they were prohibited from touching corpses as priests, especially on the Sabbath, wow. get ready for the Sabbath. Yeah. So they really had a conflict. So what we have a story of here is, look, we're going to fulfill and keep our religious um, obligations, but we're going to touch Jesus, which violates kind of the law, but yeah. we don't care, you know? Wow. So we've got this dilemma between who you're loyal to what yeah. what you're gonna what you're gonna do what are you gonna keep and it's just so shocking mm. that mm. these two priests did that yeah okay so that's what's happened but what we are told about the women where are the women mm. well the women were at the crucifixion they saw jesus die yeah and the bible tells us that the woman, the women led by Mary Magdalene secretly followed the priest to the tomb so they knew where he was buried. So what we're maybe speculating here is that the most obvious question is, well, why don't they just work with the priests and go yeah. and bury the body themselves? Well, maybe there was animosity there yes. because they were Sanhedrin. Yeah. Maybe they didn't know that they were secret converts. Yeah. Maybe they knew, but they still were not happy with the association to the very group of people that killed Jesus. Mm. Um, maybe there was a stigma there yeah. between them. Something, there was mm. not trust yeah. there. Mm. Yeah. There wasn't a fullness of us. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they just didn't work together on this. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was, the women followed the priests. They saw what they did for Jesus. And what we need to keep going on about at this point is Mary's love for Jesus. Mm. She really, really loved Jesus. He had totally delivered her. Yes, set yeah. her free. Yeah. She had been a faithful, faithful disciple of him. Yes. And she wanted to prepare Jesus herself for burial. Yeah. Yeah. And she wanted to do it properly. Yeah. And... So what the Bible tells us is, is that sometime after um, the death of Jesus, she went out and purchased her own spices mm. um, that night for the to, to prepare the body of Jesus. And she had the intention of going to the tomb early the next morning to prepare Jesus properly yeah. for burial. And we're told that in Luke 23, verse 55 to 56. It was possible, like we said, that she was upset still with the Pharisees um, that they had done this. Yeah. Um, maybe because although they were secret converts, they were still priests. They were still mm. Sanhedrin um, and they were still part of the group that betrayed Jesus. Although the Bible does tell us that they had no part of that. Yeah. And they to we're told that in Luke mm. 23 verse 51. 
it's possible too that she didn't like it being done that quickly yeah maybe she wanted the time of intimacy mm. with the body yeah. of jesus to do it properly yeah. it was an act of love of yeah. maybe worship that she wanted to do mm. so here we go it's all gone down the priests have done done the preparation and rush back for for their duties yeah mary has um collected and purchased some more spices and herbs and she's up at the crack of dawn the next morning and she goes to the tomb she's the first to arrive mm. okay yeah. she's gone to the tomb at daybreak and all she's focused on is spending time with jesus's mm. body and getting it right yeah so she gets to the tomb alone and she sees that the tomb is empty yes and matthew tells us that when the the um stone was rolled away a massive earthquake occurred we're told that in matthew 28 verse 2 so she's got to the tomb she's really shocked and upset mm. that the tomb is empty and we're told that the other women came quickly and they came quickly in order to help to move for her to help move the stone yeah because they could never have done that by one person no. but the tomb was completely <clears throat> empty and they were all distraught yeah. we're told that in matthew 16 verse 5 so what we see here is that mary is really in a sense of distress yeah she's assumed that the body has been stolen and what she does is that she runs for help she mm. runs away from the tomb back towards the city and she is on her way to get help mm. somebody has stolen the body of jesus okay and as she's running away who's coming towards her but peter and john who were on their way to the tomb okay mm. maybe they were on the way to the tomb because there had been an earthquake yeah. and they were coming yes. to see if everything was okay mm. possibly um what they were doing was that they were then running to the tomb to see for themselves what mary had told them yeah and what we need to understand about tombs in in jesus's time is they weren't just a little st hole in the wall um a tomb was a massive chamber yeah so you had to go inside the tomb in order to the depths of the tomb to yeah. actually see anything and what happened was Peter ran to the tomb. He went into the tomb and he found the empty grave clothes. And we're even told in some translations that the clothes were folded. Mm -hmm. And I love that yeah. because it gives an, a sense, doesn't it, that there was no robbery. Yeah. There were no body snatchers. Mm -hmm. That it was deliberate and yes. purposely folded. Yeah. It is finished. There is no need for these anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I yeah. like that translation, yeah. that understanding. So Peter found the empty grave clothes and then he turns back round and he runs away and he start he runs to tell the other disciples what's happened. Mm. We're told that Luke 24 verse 12. Gosh, there's an awful lot of running going around there this too, is. isn't there? There's a lot of people wow. running around. Um, so we have a situation of distress. Yes. 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 And we, we now start to feel a desperation mm. kick in. Mm. Yeah. And what the Bible tells us is that the disciples have run away. They've run back to the town, the city, to tell the other disciples what's happened. And Mary stays outside the tomb and the two other women go inside the tomb. Okay? Yeah. And while these women are inside the tomb, two angels appear to them. And we're told this in John 20, verse 12. And the angels say to the women jesus is not here for he has risen and we're told that in matthew 28 verse 6 and the angel then told the women to quickly go and tell the disciples what that that jesus had risen from the dead okay so we've got this situation all of a sudden mary's outside the tomb and somehow she's missed the angels because she was outside the tomb. <laughs> like I said earlier, if there was anybody in the Bible that I was going to be, this is me, ditzy. <laughs> I haven't got a clue what's going on. Chaotic. Yeah. You know, something's going on and we, I, I've yeah. missed it. Okay. So the women leave and they don't stop and tell Mary what's happened. They, they obey the angels and they yeah. run back to the city to tell them what's happened. And Mary's outside the tomb completely distraught wondering what's going on what is all this chaos about what is all this running around yeah. about and i've missed the angels you know what's going on who you know we don't know what's going on and 
all of a sudden, the angels come out of the tomb and they speak to Mary directly. And they say to her in John 20, verse 13, why are you weeping? Yes. Now, Mary doesn't seem very phased by these (laughs) angels. I mean, I don't know about you, but if, you know, I'd gone to see you know the body of jesus and it was missing Mm. and then two great big shining angels with massive you know wings (laughs) came out of a dark cave and spoke to me i mean that would get my attention but maybe we don't get a narration uh, um in in the word of god about her you know responding to that maybe because they weren't in the form the traditional form of an angel maybe they were in the form of a man of men Mm. we don't know we're not told that but she's not reacting to Mm. these angels at all all she's concerned about all she's banging on about is where is the body of jesus yeah you know and she's very distressed and she still thought at this stage even after the angel spoke to her that the body had been stolen And Mary replies to the angels, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where he is. Mm. We're told that John 20 verse 13. So can we get, I mean, can we get this picture? She is completely beside herself. She's completely oblivious and in connection with anything that's going on. She is absolutely only focused on getting to the body of Jesus. Mm. Yes. And she doesn't realise what's going on. And she's completely engulfed in finding Jesus's body. That's all that matters to her. Yeah. Yeah? So we're told then in scripture that she turns around and she sees Jesus. Okay. Mm. So you would think at that point, this is the the story. Mm. She's going to twig on. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to get it. But the Bible tells us that she doesn't recognise him. She doesn't recognise his physical appearance at all. Um, And it's interesting that later on that day, uh, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus don't recognise the the appearance of Jesus either. So within a short period of time, you've got Mary and two disciples that do not recognise Jesus as he manifests to them. So we ask ourselves, why? Mm. Why wouldn't you recognise Jesus and you're and you're still looking for him well I think the point here is is that Mary didn't recognize his face because she was the first person to see the transformed Jesus and I love that so much her last recollection of Jesus was of him broken bloody ripped apart literally but here was Jesus who no longer looked like his earthly body yes But he looked as John described him in Revelation 1 verse 14. White hair as snow, eyes blazing like fire, with feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. Mm. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters and his face was shining in all its brilliance. And I think that's just absolutely spectacular. Yes. Yes? But she's still completely distraught. She's before him. But she doesn't recognize his face. Jesus then asked her, why are you weeping and who are you looking for? Mm. Yes. So she not only sees him, but she then hears him asking her a question. But yet again, Mary (laughs) doesn't get it. And she says the funniest thing. She says, you know, she thought he was the gardener and she she begged him to take him to Jesus's body. So John 30 tells us that. She thought he was the staff. She thought he was the the caretaker. So she still doesn't recognise him. It's clueless. She doesn't, you know, respond to his voice. But then it happens. Mm. Yes. And what happens is Jesus looks at Mary and he calls her by name. Mary. And instantly Mm. she recognises his voice. When he called her by name, she recognized his voice and that reminds us of john 10 verse 3 to 4 where he says my sheep know my voice yes isn't that beautiful that you can have that absolute presence of god but when he calls you by name there is instant recognition and connectivity again i love that she then falls at his knees and calls him rabboni Mm. which is the highest form of teacher and she embraces him 
and her sorrow turns to complete joy. We're told that in John 29 verse 16. We're also told in that scripture that Jesus actually said something along the lines of, don't squeeze me so tight, Mary. <laughs> that's not actually what it says, but it, it, it actually, that's the connotation. Yeah. He wasn't saying to her, don't touch me in the yeah. sense that I'm too holy or yeah. I'm untouchable. But he actually said to her a, a ter- in terminology um, that was appropriate, basically, don't touch don't touch me too tight yeah yeah so you get this picture of her really yeah. clinging to him yeah you know so joyful that she recognizes him she's found him yes. finally yeah um and all those i i mean you know it hasn't dawned on her any of the supernatural no. stuff it doesn't it doesn't dawn on her that actually how did the stone get rolled yeah. away yeah. you know who took his body if anybody yeah um you know i've just spoken to a couple of angels um and now <laughs> i've just see i'm seeing jesus in another life and none of that seems to register with her because she's so caught up in wanting to see him yeah yeah i think what's really important here is that god chose mary Mm. to be the first to see him Mm. and hear him after the resurrection yeah Yeah. the all the others the women and and the disciples heard from the angels but she heard from him herself and that was mark 16 verse 9 And I just think that that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So before we move on, what's your thoughts? It is really a spectacular story, this, isn't it? It is. And I think that for me, it's just that whole thing of I was so certain that it was the women that prepared the body for burial. Like, I just thought that was a woman's job. That's what they did. That was their responsibility. Mm that was part mm. of their yeah, their job function. yeah so to just understand that actually that isn't the case no. at all and even more than that that it was actually the pharisees that oh, they did i know and that they were secret converts yeah. it just yeah. makes me want to go away and study that and consider what god is actually saying to us yeah. through yeah. that through that yeah um because it is quite shocking isn't it? it is and just that whole you know the whole story behind that and that they basically risked their livelihood they did to do that because if they'd been found out especially with touching the body yes if someone had kind of yeah. walked in on them doing that it yeah. would be like well that's it you're out so totally. even though they did it quickly they were risking a lot to do that yes and to then go back and do the sabbath and be there you know with all the other priests and then probably be like oh what you get up to this afternoon oh nothing no no not a lot really so you know that's quite a a big thing to do and a big responsibility I think mm. for them to have undertaken that and done that totally I, th- I think as well the um, the fact that Nicodemus was in there mm. um, because he was he was the one that doubted a bit wasn't he yeah about Jesus and yet there he was helping to put Jesus's body in the in the tomb mm. you know so so what is it that goes through his life about well do I or I don't I yeah do I believe him or don't I believe him <laughs> so you I almost wonder well I wonder how he felt yeah. after Jesus rose again yeah did he know about that mm. you know yeah. there are other things I want to to look down but I mean Mary is just wow yeah it, it is it is quite spectacular this yeah. story isn't it yeah. this yeah. this moment yeah. well Let's finish the story because um, I feel that we started off this story looking at how ridiculous man has interpreted Mary Magdalene. And then we've gone from that to hit this beautiful, supernatural, intimate picture Mm. of his relationship Mm. with her and her relationship with him. Um, But also, let's now finish with the foolishness of that again. Um, And I think what I want to say at this point is that Mary had significant intimacy with Mm. Jesus, but it was absolutely not romantic. No. It was spiritual. Yes. She just got him. She understood him. And even when the disciples didn't. And remember that she was around for everything. And we're told, you know, like, for example, with parables. So there came a time in Jesus's ministry where um, some of the parables were for the multitudes, yeah. for the for the crowds. Um, but then other times, a lot of the times, they were for the disciples. And it's almost like Jesus was like, I've said this to you nine times and you're not getting it, so I'm now going to have to put it in story form yeah. 
in order for you to get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But you could see that there was possibly a struggle of for understanding yeah. in some of the disciples. But Mary got him. She understood, just like we we'd seen with Mary, the mother mm. of Jesus, yes. Yes. where or even Mary, um, uh, even Mary. Um, uh, Martha's Martha, sister, yeah, who yes. who knew that uh, that she was anointing him for burial mm. when she broke the alabaster jar, uh, jar and then washed it away with her hair. Mm. Yeah. It was a prophetic act because at that time the disciples were going, "Well, what is she doing? What's yeah. all this about?" But yeah. she knew what he was saying. Yeah, he was telling them about the fact that he was about to die. So let's now hit the the sad bit, and that is is that basically yet again tradition. Um, kicks in and we don't know what happens biblically to her after this amazing situation mm -hmm. she's never mentioned again yeah. actually um, but tradition suggests ch church history suggests that she accompanied John to Ephesus with Mary the mother of Jesus and died and was buried there was part of the early church mm -hmm. there we don't know that that's church history it's not yeah. biblical but this is then now where, where foolishness kicks in again yeah. because church tradition um, and folklore, church folklore, because it, church has folklore as well, <laughs> um, says that she helped evangelize southeast France and lived in a cave there for 30 years. And um, that's where she is believed to be buried. And that's where... Um, at the latter part of the last century, um, in the late 1800s, in this particular part of southeast France, um, archaeologists came across a blackened, wizened skull in a cave. And it was speculated that this was the skull of Mary Magdalene. Wow. And it has been a real point of deception for over, well over a hundred years because the pilgrimage to this site is phenomenal mm. okay it's it's absolutely it's ridiculous that the amount of pilgrimage there is to this um place where there is a blackened skull and it's speculated to be hers. And if you look it up on, uh, if you Google it, you will see that it's a little wizened black skull, but it's encased in a very, a gold mask that looks like a head, a wow. face, and it has a crown upon its head. And it's in a glass cabinet. And it's actually today in a, in a basilica in France. And it is um, absolutely used as a point of, uh, mysticism mm. and miraculous sort of belief mm. that if you touch it you know you'll get healed or if yeah. you touch it you'll be blessed yeah. or you know yeah. so yet again mm. you know the foolishness yeah. of of that system has taken away really from who she really was mm. just as mary the mother of jesus is idol worshipped today by thousands mm. and that was never who she really was yeah. Yeah. Um, so yet again, even her death is speculated in this mysticism and mystery. Mm. Um, it's a human elevation of a normal person. Yeah. And we see that in mankind, don't we, from yeah. time to time. Just like Mary, the mother of Jesus, it's elevated by man-made religions and Gnostic writings. Um, well, all I can say about that is that this is not biblical. Yeah. Yeah. It's far away from who she really was and from truth yeah yes yeah. and we just need to understand that that we can't get carried away and speculate and fantasize and piece together wrong concepts mm. about who these mm. people really were in the in the word yeah. of god because we keep saying this but if you are in the word of god even if you are unnamed yeah. we've seen that with noah's wife then just the fact that you are in the word of god is highly highly significant yeah 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 very much so well, that's Mary Magdalene, but a few things to, to close. Um, what do we want you to know about Mary Magdalene? Mm. Well, first of all, she was a poor, tormented soul that was possessed by demons. Um, she was misunderstood as a prostitute. Mm. Yes. Yeah. She was a devoted disciple of Jesus who was with him constantly and loved him dearly. Yeah. And she was the first to see the resurrected Jesus. Mm. And I think all those things 
are amazing mm. but it's also quite breathtaking to see how man has the need to take something that sometimes isn't spectacular yeah. to a level mm. and sensationalize mm. it yeah. for its own purposes yeah. Yeah. and that's not the intent of god at no. all because what we have here with Mary Magdalene is actually a very beautiful mm. story of yeah. complete transformation Absolutely. through deliverance. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, we're never told that she repented because maybe she didn't need to. Yeah. She was she was a victim of that. Yeah, um, but we make these speculations at times, and we really do need to rely on the Word of God Absolutely. as our truth yeah. and not our ideologies. Definitely. Absolutely. So, guys, that's it. What do you think? Wow. What spoke to you? Ooh. What have you learnt? so much oh, I think yeah. so much about how you really do have to read the bible for yeah. yourself <laughs> you do um and study it yeah um but also the beauty of that deliverance for her that was different to everybody else's mm. um you know she she'd perhaps been labeled as a prostitute but she wasn't and perhaps had been um, tormented in lots of ways through her own mind, but also from other people. Yeah. And yet, actually, what she became was a very, very close friend of Jesus's. Yeah. yeah. And he became hers, and that was absolutely beautiful. It was. Yeah. It totally was. Yeah. yeah. I just, I love that, I know I said this earlier, but in the after the resurrection you would have thought that the logical thing for jesus to have done was to wait until everyone was there outside the tomb <laughs> wait until the disciples yeah. had arrived wait until the A women had experience. all camped. yeah and then being like hi guys i'm here, I'm here. <laughs> but, but they wouldn't have recognized him now no. but but even you know even if he'd still had that interaction with yeah. them the fact that he he almost orchestrated it so that Mary was the only one there. I love so that. So he sent mm. the others away. Mm. You know, he yeah. got the angels to kind of, right, get these two in the cave and tell them to go. <laughs> well, the disciples will leave if I do this. Yeah. And he waited until it was yeah. just Mary, mm. just her. And then he said to her, you know, don't yeah. you know who I am? And I just, I love that, that he did it in such an intimate way. And it was so specific for mm. her. And so... It feels like a very kind of like private, intimate moment mm. where he was just kind of saying to her, this is me, mm. and I've done it this way so that you were the first one to see me. Yeah. And I just, I that kind yeah. of gives me chills. Yeah. yeah. It's just so amazing. And also, you get so many little tidbits, don't mm. you, in these studies about intimate love language between oh, Jesus and yeah. people. Yeah. And mm. for me, I just don't know if you picked up on this, but we said right back at the beginning of the study that demoniacs um, never went to Jesus yeah. Yeah. freely, yes. um, that Jesus always came and confronted it or yeah. come and got them. Yeah. And, you know, that's what he done to her yeah. in her deliverance initially with the demons. But now... If you noticed, she didn't go into the tomb no. to go and no. see the to see Jesus. The angels came out, and he came yeah. out yes. to her. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it was just another little thing, just a tiny little yeah. detail yeah. that is so insignificant, you know, on the surface. But just another little indicator yeah. of his love for yeah. her. I've done it once for you, Mary. Yeah. I'm going to do it again for yeah. you. But I'm also, going to come and get you. Yeah. But you would think as well that she would be the one to go into the tomb. Yeah. Because you know, you would think that she would want to see it mm. for herself. Yeah. And check it out for herself. So the very yeah. fact that she didn't, she yeah. stayed outside. Yes. You, you do absolutely yeah. get that feel. And, of course, I ultimately love the fact that it took her to hear her name. Yeah. The intimacy of her name. Yeah. And I love that That's because beautiful. he calls us by name. Yeah. Yes, we know the scripture is full of yeah. of that, of, of, of God telling us that, that he knows our name. Yeah. We're written on the palm of his hands. Mm. We're inscribed on his heart. Yeah. With the apple of his yeah. eye. Yeah. Um, and that it took, you know, it took her to hear his name. Her call, him yeah. calling her name yeah. where that point of connectivity mm. happened it's a love language yeah. it is um, and his way of, of yeah. identifying and, and connecting with her again yeah. and I just absolutely love it yeah. love it so much 
well guys that's our series for today um i hope you've enjoyed mary magdalene as much as we have um again the message today make sure we read the bible properly yeah, yeah. make sure we don't assume you know a story that we've listened to years ago but um not be too familiar mm -hmm. with the word of god and always go back to seek the truth and to work out the chronological issues and the and the details because we can really get it wrong yeah, and if sure. we miss chunks of of the stories then we miss chunks of the impartations yeah, yeah. and the understandings yes. and we don't want that to happen so i hope you've enjoyed it don't forget to check us out um, next time as we as we come up to study nine in our who are you series and uh, we look forward to seeing you then so until then take care and we'll see you next time bye bye, bye.